Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Got money to spend another show from this trio of tenuous friends. I don't know if it were me, I'd probably throw the towel in, but hell, I guess they'll try it again. Here's the general concept of what they will do. Ooh, they find a piece of media they want to review. Ooh, provided that it ties into the riddle review. Ooh, so now it's time for a riddle review. Welcome everyone to another episode of Review Crew and. Myself, JPC, and Aaron, we are sitting on a jury today debating whether or not we have to decide we are tasked as uh, civilians of the podcast scape. Is that now right? I got to know. Have you ever done jury duty? No. <laughs> uh, never. Never have, never will. Um, We're doing Thomas the Tank Engine again, everybody. <laughs> Second month in a row. We are deliberate, deliberating on whether or not you should be watching the new TV show Jury Duty and... It's a unanimous decision. We all voted mm-hmm. fuck yes. So that means the 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 TV show walks. Is that right? Well, well walks in, insinuates that they did something wrong. Have you ever watched <laughs> right? a show? Like OJ OJ Sim- Simpson walked, right? That's how you use that term. I mean, I consider him running right now. <laughs> <laughs> he was a running back. That's right. That's right. Well, the voice you just heard is the dulcet tones of. One of the stars of the show, Jury Duty, on Freebie through Amazon and through, I think there's a Freebie app, right? I got it through Amazon Prime, but I think there's a, there's a separate app as well. You can do both. You can do both. Have yeah. it your way. And uh, you probably should do both. If you're listening and you've already watched it on one, go ahead and watch it on the other. You never, never plug those numbers can never hurt. can never hurt. They need it. They need it. <laughs> We have Ross Kimball, who played the character of Ross Kincaid. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Ross Kubiak. Ross Kubiak. It's so it's so hard to get because it's like they they basically used your name, and so mm-hmm. I want to say Ross Kimball. Okay, so Ross Kincaid is is no Kubiak. One. Ross Kubiak is no is one. who you play. No, it's probably Thomas Kincaid's brother. The yes, painter's exactly. uh, brother. Yes, exactly. Ross Where did you yeah. pull Kincaid from? Was that another character? I wrote down I'm... Kubiak, and I my brain just turned it into Kincaid. Well, because I saw Kubiak, but I know Ross is Ross Kimball, and so my brain just it was Got like, it. it's not this, it's not that, and so it found a middle ground. You gave him the old Ellis Island treatment, where you just were like, <laughs> it's like you're great. stamp, right, go, go ahead, Jen. Uh, Ross, thank you so much for being here. Right up top, I just want to say, um, you might know Ross from a few things. Ross, you've been uh, a guest, I believe, on Doughboy's podcast, on Gilmore Guys, Mm-hmm. Um, you're one of my uh, all-time favorite guests on Hello from the Magic Tavern playing Honk the Assassin. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have your own podcast, Good at Parties, which is a uh, delightful podcast. Um, big fan of that. You were in movies such as Masterminds, Mascots, mm-hmm. uh, starring mm-hmm. another friend of the show, um, Michael Hitchcock. And oh, yeah. your biggest claim to fame, in my opinion, is when you were in Chicago, you are 
on you were on what I consider to be the tallest improv team ever assembled, which was Diplomat Motel. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ross, uh, uh, you are <laughs> crowning achievement. You are six seven. I am. Wow. Yep. Amazing. Uh, tell us, Ross. Thanks about... for having me. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. <laughs> we just wanted to confirm. Our legal team said we had to confirm all this information. Tell me, they, they didn't yeah. cast a Chicago improv team just on height, did they? Or is that a choice? That wasn't like a Herald team. No, I think it was more of the thing where it was, you know, we were sitting around the bar and we were like, <sighs> we should just have a giant team where it's like <laughs> we get on stage everyone in their minds are going okay these guys need to slow down I and mean, we haven't even done anything yet like we're that big I think- i'm assuming i'm assuming mike magic was on that team no mm-hmm. he was not wow wait, wait, was what, what I, I think diplomat motel was uh something else i think i've done a few shows one-offs with him okay, and okay. dan gordon yeah uh, diplomat motel. oh yeah, that's right they they kind of they all of them like bleed together. You know how this yeah. goes. Okay, like, good. You know, so I, many things and. But Arnie Neekamp was on Diplomat Motel. It was just a very fair enough. Okay. As okay an, cool. If you were in the audience and you're watching front row, you were like, it was like going to IMAX and sitting in the front row, where you're just like, <laughs> by the end, your neck hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and a suggestion. I feel like you guys would get a suggestion and people would be like, basketball, mm-hmm. <laughs> cleaning yes. the gutters. I, I can yep. just see all the people on their podcast being like, this was about jury duty, right? <laughs> are, are they really going to do an hour on we, Diplomat Motel? <laughs> yes, which is an actual motel in Chicago, I later found mm-hmm. out. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do, so we are going to talk about jury duty as holistically. We're going to talk about the entire season just because that would be foolish to not talk to Ross about all the ins and outs. So if you haven't yet seen it, we definitely recommend you go and watch it. Um, we're not just talking about the first episode. We're going to talk about the entire season. So spoiler alert, Ross, Holy before God. we get into it, maybe just two minutes, three minutes, let's get to know you. Where are you from? What's your journey? What's going on? Well, my name is Ross Kimball. I was raised out in the burbs of Chicago, Naperville, if you've nice. heard of it. Mm-hmm. Nasty Naperville. Uh, oh, nasty Naperville. And we all call it that. <laughs> uh, that's where, that's where I, I grew up and then uh, I've always had a desire just to perform but I never did that uh, performance came in the uh, the form of sports growing up and I did that and but I was a huge comedy nerd watched everything like messed around with my friends kind of was like you know one of the the top four funniest people in my friend group nice. and then you <laughs> you know I went to Chicago went to Chicago and I, I, to be honest with you, I was very shy. I would be in my head a lot with communication. You couldn't pay me to be up on stage in front of people. But with my friends, I would just let loose and be myself. And my friends suggested that I take an improv class. And it took me two years to sign up for a class at IO. Wow. Wow. And as soon as I took that class, you know, you get your first chuckles, then you get your first big laugh. Mm -hmm. And we know, you know, we know, we just start chasing that. And so I did that. I was doing that at night and then during the day I was a sixth grade teacher and you know a lot of cool things happened and met my wife got married very cool things happened got married have two kids now I live out here in LA and I just keep walking through the doors of opportunity so and not that's and, my story and in a nutshell creating your neck downward right 
Absolutely. If it's a house built uh, before 1927, <laughs> yes, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's always so wild to you because you you truly don't know when you go and watch someone on stage. You have no idea what they're like or whatever. But I remember Ross watching you in shows and to be like, yeah, I'm very shy. It's just it, whenever you hear someone tell you that they're shy, it's almost hard to believe because I'm like, yeah. Well, the guy was very funny and like very big, so it's like it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to imagine a person being shy. But no, it's it's it, it is. For those listening, it is more often than you think it is that people are like, oh, yeah, that's a very different person when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Ross, for me, would help. Time, oh, what was your time frame in Chicago? Like, what years were you doing improv there? Uh, 2008 to 2014. Wow. Yeah. I moved there so in 2014. Was... We were too short. Oh, awesome. Oh, man, in the night. There could only be one of us. We were too similar. <laughs> that I had to wait for you to leave to move. There would have been a showdown, Aaron. There would have been a showdown, yeah. for sure. And I get yeah. that. A lot of people came up to Aaron and said, Ross, good show last night. And Aaron had to be like, no, no, no. no. Like, Who is this Ross? No, no, it's a different guy. Different guy. A completely different guy. Um, so, Ross, let's, uh, let's start talking about jury duty. Okay. So before we begin, let's just kind of lay out what the show is. So the, the whole premise of this show, uh, jury duty, that we're talking about today, one person thinks that they are just going to be in a normal documentary about the jury duty process. They're not an actor. And literally everything else and everyone else is an actor, is a set. There is like a quasi script. Uh, Ross is playing one of the characters in this. And it's all happening around this person. That's, I mean, that's the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they found Ronald through a Craigslist ad. So the producers of the show said, hey, we're making a documentary about the jury duty system in America. It pays this much if you get picked, blah, 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 and let us know. And so 4,000 people applied. Damn. Wow. 4,000 people said, I want to be a part of this. They picked the perfect one, They picked the perfect person. Did. Yeah. Isn't it so crazy? Found our unicorn. We found Ronald. Can you tell us about, first and foremost, the audition process, how you came to be involved, uh, what was going on there? I almost got a role on a TV show that the director of Jury Duty uh, was directing. And mm-hmm. so through that, he... It's like a classic Hollywood thing where he's like, hey, you didn't get it. We really like you. I'm so sad you weren't in this thing. Uh, long story short, that show didn't go. Mm-hmm. It got shut down before it even shot the pilot. So I was like, okay, great. He said, wait six months. I have something for you in six months. And of course, you hear that and go, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah, that was very nice of you to say. And you just keep moving on. Six months later, he emails me. He's like, hey, are you around? Can you put yourself on tape for something? I go, yeah, sure. So... The audition process for all of us that got the show was three separate characters, 60 seconds each. And it was uh, it was pretty much a slip of paper, not a slip of paper, an email that said, okay, you're so-and-so and you're talking about this and you have 60 seconds. Don't go over 60 seconds. Because apparently they were seeing a lot of people for this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and So far this sounds like the SNL auditions that I have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny. I, I've had a, a few opportunities, very cool opportunities to audition for Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And oh, it's the same yeah. thing. Mm. You, you don't have a script. And you get, you're given a slip of paper saying uh, you are handing out bread at the table and, uh, and someone doesn't like what you've done. Vague. You walk in and Larry David is in the room and they don't tell you that. And the audition. So you walk in and That's Larry David is sitting. That's to not tell you that. He's sitting in the other seat. There's two seats. And he's just sitting there and he goes, hey, how you doing, Ross? Yeah, yeah, take a seat. Okay, yeah, whenever you're ready. And, you know, you have Jeff Garland hanging out there and you just have a panel. It feels like American Idol. Anyway, so it felt like that. 
So 60 seconds, you do your thing and you send it in. You don't think about it. A few weeks later, they're like, okay, great. Just do this one character. You're a coach. They're kind of funneling it down and they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, we can see you as a coach. You're a coach and you're so madly in love with your wife and you can't be away from her. 60 seconds. And so you kind of have to create this world. Weeks later, they say, okay, great. This is going to be the callback. And the callback is a um, a focus group. You're going to actually go to a focus group building oh, in LA. And there are going to be people there who are actually there for the focus group. They're getting paid 25 bucks to watch wow. the trailer of a movie or eat a Whopper or whatever. A Whopper. <laughs> never said it like that before. <laughs> a Whopper. Uh, That's how they say it. Nasty Naperville, baby. I've never pronounced. Oh, yeah. That Naperville comes out of me, baby. <laughs> you can take Whopper. a Whopper out of Naperville, but you can't take a Whopper. <laughs> uh, and so, but also, there's going to be actors there auditioning for the show. And you can't interact with anybody. You can't be like, okay, I'm here for the show. You're not. You just like sign in and you wait to be called in. So we go in and there's a waiting room and I didn't know there's two panel glass. And so all the producers and directors are waiting behind this glass and you're in the waiting room and you're given the slip of paper. So my slip of paper, <laughs> my slip of paper said, you are, you are a, a high school teacher. You are fascinated and obsessed with magic. <laughs> and, oh, and puzzles. What a gift. Magic and puzzles. Mm-hmm. And and you love your wife. That's it. Enjoy. So I'm sitting there, and this will be a lot longer. And it's just crazy how how this happens. But sitting there, and then you have to mingle with people in the waiting room. And I'm mingling, I'm mingling, and of course they they set you up with, with for, especially for me. I saw this. They have like a deck of cards, a scarf. They have like all this stuff just laying out on on the table. <laughs> Right, yeah, just so, casually a, a scarf uh, tied together and three doves. Right. And they're just like whatever. A wand. Yeah. yeah, there was like a bunny in the corner. Uh, <laughs> wow! Just so. naturally let it happen. Just naturally. If right. if, or, if magic organically uh, happens, yeah. So that That's was so that was the thing, and I didn't have the heart to tell Jake or any Jake Szymanski, our director, uh, or anybody, being like, I don't know magic. I don't. <laughs> I can hardly shuffle cards. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're in the waiting room and they're behind the two pane glass and they're watching and everyone is wild. Everyone is just acting up and in the, in the sense where I'm like, okay, everyone's doing too much. These actors are doing too much, but also these could be real people. Okay, <laughs> stay in my lane. Yeah. I'm here for a job. Just keep doing my thing. Yeah, yeah. So I pick up the deck of cards and I'm talking to this lady who is talking about her pool to a point where she is like really obsessed with her pool, but at the same time, her pool was getting taken away from her where I think it was an above ground pool. She was very confusing. So we were talking <laughs> and I pick up the deck of cards and I just start shuffling. I just start shuffling while I, <laughs> while I'm talking to her and immediately an assistant comes in and goes, okay, we'll see you in the main room. Now they knew like they were watching me shuffle and they're like, yeah. Oh, this guy is going <laughs> to do too much of the cards. <laughs> so we get taken into the room. We get taken into the room. With the TV. <laughs> <laughs> they're behind the glass and they're like the pool lady's killing it yeah, I don't know do I mean she's talking about the pool exclusively this other guy's being way too subtle couldn't he say yeah. like uh, when I met my wife I said abracadate me like to date me oh man so we're taken into the room there's a big screen TV and and I didn't know at the time but the executive producer is running the focus group and he's asking questions we, we watch what were we watch we watched the trailer for the new West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg West Side Story. Okay. 
you know, a minute and a half, yeah. you watch it, it turns off, and then he just opens it up. How do people feel about this? And you have to remember, some of us are here for the job. We're actors, yeah. given a slip of paper, and other people are just here for the 25 bucks. They live in LA, and they're here for a good time. Yeah. I got the, the pool lady was oh, yeah. probably like, several moments reminded me of my pool. Was it... <laughs> <laughs> Pushing I was waiting hard. for the pool. Yeah. Is there a pool in this movie? Uh, <laughs> so, so she doesn't really talk that much, but everyone has like hard opinions to the point mm -hmm. where I said, okay, everyone in this room is an actor. And they get to, they get to uh, uh, Ron, Ron Song, who plays Ken. And he, uh -huh. he like talks very slow and he has gumball machines. He only has two gumball machines in LA, but he, he talks so slow where I am so mad. I am so <laughs> mad at him during this. And he knows this. I told him when we met for the first time, I go, I'm so glad you got this, but I need to be honest with you. When during the audition, you ticked me off how slow he talks. <laughs> in the show, he talks slow. He talks yeah. four times slower in the audition. Amazing. Because in the show, so, when he talks slow, it's very funny. It is yeah. like yeah. the the timing of it is 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 a, a chef's when he, kiss. When he's describing that game that he's seems seemingly making up, it's so fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we'll get to that, but it, essentially, it was made up. That is not even like a thing. <laughs> he was making up the rules as he went along. Aww. Anyway, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. So we get to the point, and they get to me, and I was like, "Oh, this reminds me of this." I would see that. I, I mean, I wouldn't see this unless my wife would want to see it, and like I, I play like that angle. Yeah. And then the guy next to me takes a phone call on his phone. He goes, hey, hello? Yeah, no, I can't, I can't go in for the job interview. I'm at this thing right now. Can, uh, can you push it? Can, I, can you see me at 2 p.m.? Okay. Well, it, this is, I mean, it's Papa John, so it can't be that important. Can, I, can it be 2 p.m.? And he hangs up. And I turn to him, and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You're going way too hard. You're, you blew it. You didn't get the job. James Marston. Fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> I booked the gig. I meet all the cast. I go up to the executive producer who was running the the uh, the audition, who's British, and he, uh, which isn't important. I just like to add that. It's I nice go up to him. him and I go, Nick. I go, Nick. That guy next to me in the audition that took the phone call. I mean, he blew that right. I mean, he was like, what were, you, what did you give him to to act like that? Oh, he goes, no. mate, <laughs> mate. That was his guy living in L.A. He was not. <laughs> he was not. A part of the audition. I'll say if you're taking a if you're taking a call um, from Papa John's, you you're definitely there for twenty five dollars. It's not like he was fighting back from yeah he was fighting back yeah from the Papa John's people. I'm like, hey, can you be here at one? No, I can't. How about two? Do you know what the the, the bummer of out it is? Eccentric, like being more eccentric than the magic guy. The that's common brutal. man from that's LA my nightmare. Is insane. Yep. I did. You, I, you I, maybe if that's casting in Chicago, you're like, I can pretty much tell who the actor is and who the actor isn't. But if it's casting in LA, you're like, yeah. well, <laughs> everybody here is the same level. So, yeah. I did one focus group yeah. in Las Vegas with uh, Tim Lyons, uh, who you know, Ross. Uh, and oh, perfect. We, we were out there for Brett's bachelor party. So we did a focus group just because we thought it would be funny. And I, I have to say, like, the people who were involved, we watched the new, the guy, Joel McHale, he had, like, a sitcom about working in, like, basically, like, a Patagonia REI okay. kind of store, which, Ross, I want to oh, talk yeah, to you yeah. about. Um, yes. But, but everyone there was, like, couldn't stop talking about Big Bang Theory. Like, we went around the room and they asked our favorite sitcom and they mm. all said Big Bang Theory. And they would, like stop comments about this show to talk about their favorite moments on Big Bang Theory to where it seemed like, who are these people? Where did they come from? Yeah. How are they so, so You confident? look at like, yeah. the cast of the Big Bang Theory and very yes. obvious yeah, yeah, yeah. like facial hair 
taped on? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, very quickly. Uh, I, great I Outdoors. To... That's what it was. Great Outdoors. Thank you. Yep. Uh, very quickly, yep. I do want to mention, Ross, you are, you have uh, um, a moment in my life that stands out as one of the best things that's ever happened to me, which is, <laughs> I think before you moved to LA, you offered me, I think we can say this on air, you offered me yeah. your- Oh, hold on. Ad- your, Maybe not. Okay. I offered you a discount. You offered me a discount. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say what store? Sure. Okay. You you were working at Patagonia, which okay. I noticed all throughout jury duty, you're wearing nothing but Patagonia. <laughs> but you offered me your discount, and I yeah. w- I ran wild with it. I bought yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it. Was, it was friends of friends and family, man. Friends. It and was family. the most amazing discount I've ever received, and I bought. I must have bought twelve items, uh, which at Patagonia <laughs> is not cheap, but it was cheap Friend, because of the discount. Friends and family. So friends you always family, stand out man. to me. Anytime I wear any of those shirts, I'm like. Fucking Ross absolutely hooked me up more than anyone's maybe hooked me up before. Yeah. I can't think uh, well, of a better brand always, to give have Adel a shirts. discount to. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. All pla- it's all flannel. It's uh, all plaid. But yeah, watching jury duty anytime you were on, they they showed like your clothing. It was like, oh, there's Patagonia. Yeah. I'm like, that's outstanding. Yep. So I did that. I did that for two reasons. I just thought it'd be funny if if this guy was like a school teacher, but he was wearing like expensive outdoor gear for mm-hmm. no reason. And then I, I did it. I wanted. I wanted Ronald to to say something. I want because it's you know you read Patagonia on, on my on my chest almost every day. I wanted him to say like, "Man, you wear a lot of Patagonia." But he did. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna stop wearing it as soon as he mentioned it. But I think so oh, many things were being thrown uh, at him. Yeah, yeah. That and so you had to you had to come up with your own little side stories all the time. Right. You know, it, ah. the script was it was just beats. There was never lines. It was James goes up to Ronald this way or. While this is happening, this is happening over here. So, you know, the script, the the beats were happening, but you had to stay in character over here. There's there's yeah. a one of my I'm I'm talking uh, out of turn here, but one of my favorite moments was Kirk Fox and I who plays uh, McCready and Todd David Brown who plays Todd Chance, Mister Chance himself, the chair pants. We were in the corner while Ute was being played. So that was that was 45 minutes. That game was 45 <laughs> minutes long. Wow. So while that was being played. We were in the corner and Todd was explaining how both of his parents died at the same time. And it was just through like conversation and improv. It was a dream. It was such a yeah. dream because we just got to be in this world. And through conversation and asking questions, we we finally figured out that Todd's parents were crossing the street at the same time due to miscommunication. <laughs> and two buses going the exact opposite <laughs> directions hit them at the same time. Um, and, and wait, Todd and can, Ron- can Ronald hear any of this? No, no. no. This is us. Yeah, this is us. Yeah. What, one of my favorite things about the show is that, and you're, you're kind of talking about it with the, the conversation about how um, the guy's parents died and everything, was what I loved in the show is that there was these constant, um, I guess you would call them like confessionals to the camera, Mm-hmm. With with Ronald absent, where where the first like the first couple times it happened, I'm like, why are we seeing moments without Ronald? Because the whole uh, um, me- mechanism of the show is that Ronald's right. the, uh, the only one not in on it. But then I realized there was it was due to like character development for us to get to know the characters and for you all, I'm sure, to improvise and like get a better grip and handle on it. So I, I came to like really love those where I was just like, this is just gravy. This is all the cherry on top just to get to know. To, to get to see them flushing out their characters in real time. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's uh, online. It's kind of divisive. Some people didn't like that. And other people said this This made this show a lot more enjoyable to watch. Some people mm-hmm. that don't like it, It you know, the Joe Schmo, they say, well, Joe Schmo show, which was yeah. essentially the same thing. It was like Big Brother, <clears throat> except 
one person is not in on it. And mm-hmm. they would break character, though. Like Kristen Wiig, actually, and David Hornsby from Always Sunny. That was their breakout. And they'd have these confessionals as themselves, though, not as their characters being like, I can't believe you can't catch on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What we did was we stayed in characters the whole time just so it's more enjoyable to watch. In my opinion, it's more enjoyable to watch because it's like you're watching a show. Agreed. I, I show, think there are... It's, yeah, there, there are two things that I love about that choice. One is it gave the whole thing a narrative feel where I could like connect with these characters as characters, and it made the whole thing feel like I'm actually watching like a semi-scripted show. The second thing is, and I think this is the most wonderful part about this show, it truly does make like Ronald seem like a good guy and normal and it's n- at no point does it feel like it's making fun of him or like putting him in a situation to belittle him or putting him in a situation that like it, you know is made to make him look like he is stupid and even all the confessionals of him whatever they picked whatever selections they picked make him seem like he's like you know he cares about the case he cares about how people are doing he's like asking like genuine heartfelt earnest questions the whole thing was wonderful in that regard like it made it made him seem so great and it didn't make it seem like anyone was making fun of him yeah absolutely that was the goal we wanted to show a hero's journey we didn't want you to go in thinking that it's a prank show even though it's easy to because you've never seen anything like this so you automatically assume oh there's a prank show this guy doesn't know all this crazy stuff is going to happen we just created a crazy world around a normal heartfelt person so in all of in all of that i i I was just so impressed like every day since i wasn't staying at the hotel and we can talk about that later in the morning we would have meetings and the producers would check in with the people from the hotel they'd have morning meetings with them just via facetime Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, hey, this happened last night. And we heard, I heard via the director about the Bugs Life movie. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is, oh my gosh, we can't hurt this guy. We can't hurt (laughs) this guy. (laughs) Protect him at all costs. I couldn't even breathe when he said that. Yeah. Oh no, I, yeah, go ahead. My my question about the hotel thing is at, at one point in the season, um, they're all in jury duty. duty they get sequestered, um, and so they they split them into two groups. The jury into two groups. Some people have to go stay at this hotel. Some people don't. And you were one of the people that didn't have to stay at the hotel. Was mm-hmm. that a decision that was made ahead of time, or did they do? You know, w- were you a week in, and they were like, okay, now we we're going to split the group. It was scripted like that. It was scripted okay. like that. Just I think that was more of a, a production choice. Uh, and the people that had, quote, you know, the people that had families, it, it was all the young, all the young, hot people got to stay in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. OK, I, I have another question about that, too, because now this is something I didn't want to do. Like, I didn't do a ton of reading because I don't really do that when I like watch TV shows. But this show fascinated me. And so I did do, do some reading. But I read that Kirk Fox, um, who is Pat McCurdy on the show, he Man. he also uh, he, of the when I was watching the show, there were a few people. You, of course, because I have seen you in Chicago. But there were a few people that I immediately recognized. He was one yeah. of them because I had seen him on Parks and Recreation. I also heard that at one point Ronald had talked about how he loved Parks and oh. Recreation, and that Kirk Fox's like role got changed a little bit because they didn't want him to make yeah. that connection. Is can, can you talk about any of that? Yes. So that was day two. We got sequestered. <laughs> <laughs> and we're ordering lunch. We're ordering lunch. And we're just kind of getting to know each other, which was tough because we rehearsed the whole first season in one week without Ronald. So uh-huh. we went to the warehouse. We went to Margaritaville. Like we had to like we had to hit the beats and it's like, hey, just get familiar with all this stuff. So yeah. and we had to pretend that we didn't know each other. So that was a whole thing. 
when we got really tight that, that first week. So anyway, we're, we're ordering lunch second day. Ronald is in charge. Uh, we're like going over the meals and stuff like that. And TV shows get brought up. Oh, what are you watching? What's your favorite TV show? And Kirk and I are out at the end just because how we needed him to sit in certain areas so he can have relationships. Yeah. So he's sitting with the girls all the way at the other end. And he goes, oh, man, all timer parks and rec. <laughs> and I look, I, I'm like this. And I look over at Kirk and he's like, he starts slinking in his chair. And we had, we had a system. Only one person had an earpiece in that was uh, Maria or Inez. And she had an earpiece oh, wow. in. So the directors who, who were in, we had three, three courtrooms and one of them was used for the courtroom. One was used for deliberation. The one in the middle was control center. So there's 20 screens. There's people on mics being like, okay, do this, do this, controlling everything. So anyway, <laughs> Maria, Maria would like hand us notes being like, okay, do this. Or, hey, can you move your head back a little bit? Cause the camera can't see mm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kirk and I, we, we started using this shorthand and he wrote, uh, he wrote, we're done. As soon as he said that, <laughs> oh, all timer parks and rec, he wrote, we're done. And he slid. Over <laughs> and, and I look at him, I go. No, we'll see. We'll see. I think I think we might have to change some things. And he's and he he named he he named like uh, oh so what are your favorite characters, Ronald? And he goes, uh, oh you know like the classic Leslie Nope, uh, you know uh, Ron Swanson, uh, like Sue's Joe is awesome, and that's who Kirk Kirk, Kirk, yeah. Kirk plays. He plays Sue's Joe. So the whole time, what they had to do was switch it up. So in line, they always made sure that Kirk's back of his head was towards Ronald. Uh-huh. They they yeah. sat him way far away from Ronald. They, they did they did a lot of things, and you could tell that Kirk grew out his beard. Yeah, was always wearing sunglasses. So, if but you, we kept Ron, we kept Ronald busy so much, and James yeah. kept busy. Like we just kept him busy so much that you know there's he couldn't catch anything because we were throwing so much oh. at him. After I heard that, I was like looking at the 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 con- not confessional, but when all twelve of you are like in the room together and sitting in the chairs in the rows, and like yeah. he's always on the same level as him, but to the complete side, like he's always sitting mm. on the end and Ronald's always yeah. in the middle. I'm like, wow, it just, it is very much staged so that he would never <laughs> crane his head over to the right and like look at him in the face. It's so wild. If, if you watch it, if you watch it again, which I suggest you do because there's so many jokes and you miss a lot of things the first time through, but you, James always leans a little forward and Kirk is always back a little bit. So even That's when so Ronald wild. would turn, he would just see James. It, it was, <laughs> I, it was I will wild. say I will say personally, like the first, first or second episode, I kept looking at Kirk, that guy, being like, he looks familiar. And I'm not. I've only yeah. watched Parks and Rec uh, all the way through once, so I don't mm-hmm. remember a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. But I remember just being like, he looks vaguely familiar. And then I looked up on IMDb, and I was like, oh, he's in Reservation Dogs, which is yes. a phenomenal mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where that's he's great. from. So I, I think sometimes people are like, how do you not recognize? And I'm like, I, I knew the guy from one of my favorite shows, and I still couldn't. There's just a sense of like he looks familiar, and even with the judge, I was like, the judge clearly has legal expertise, but I'm mm-hmm. like, he looks familiar. And then I looked it up, and it's Ike and John's dad, and I was like, oh holy yeah. shit, it's Ike Barinholtz's dad. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a nepo daddy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Uh, I'll, oh, I'm okay. Aaron. I didn't mean to jump on you. You can ask it no, right wait. after this. All the lawyers are real lawyers. Okay. And also actors. So that's why mm-hmm. it was so professional. So Aaron, I'm sorry to jump on you. Oh, no. I There's something that I love about the show that I feel like you did particularly well, which is like pacing how big you got comedy-wise. 
Like, I feel like you conducted it really well of like the pacing between hard jokes and like just being a person and existing yeah. in a space. Like how how much of that was like prep work? Like how what what did you read in the room to know when it was time for like hard jokes versus just like existing? I knew I knew it would be tipped off if everyone was funny. It's yeah. like if you walked in the room and everyone's funny, you'd be like, hold on, how come everyone's professionally funny? Everyone has timing. Why is everyone like yes ending each other to the point where it's like, this is enjoyable to listen to. Like, yeah. That's never yeah. a normal conversation. You know, it's always clunky or it's always, you know, someone says the wrong thing or it's silent sometimes. So for me, who, who I just love just having a good time and I love riffing, but at the same time I knew that my role in my lane, which was very tough for me, and I appreciate you seeing that, was I needed to be almost Ronald's anchor. Because when crazy things were happening, he would look to me, and we don't see it a lot in the show, but he would turn around in the box and be like, what is it? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Are you saying I'd be this? Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I, and, and the other thing is you just don't, if no one else is questioning it, you don't question it because you don't want to be that person. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I knew I knew I would have the, my moments but I knew that my lane was, okay, I need to be coach. The whole time he thinks I'm in charge until he's called four person. And he did not want to be four person. And the whole like setup of I kind of help the guy who falls off. It's him. Uh -huh, he falls uh -huh. off the thing. And then we set it up where the judge says, uh, well, you know, uh, someone stepped in and helped him. That was you. And he was like, no, that wasn't me. I wasn't being interviewed. I didn't help yeah. at all. But he would always look to me. Ronald would always look to me being like, okay, so what do we do? And. I was always talking about my wife, and I knew I'd have moments for hard jokes in those one-on-ones with him. Whenever we sat down, I knew that I could talk about my wife. I knew I could make that stupid, like, uh, canoe rudder joke where it's like, <laughs> hey, well, you know, what's the face? Uh, the defendant, he's on a canoe with a rudder right now, and he's headed toward, toward coral. He's headed toward coral, and he doesn't even know. And it's so down like canoes don't have rudders. Yeah. Uh, and so, but but the other thing is, like Ronald quotes that. I saw him a few weeks ago, and Ronald's like, "Dude, I still quote that canoe rudder thing all the time." It's so, like, I realized how funny that was when you said that. I go, "Oh yeah, I know." So it was just finding your lane, and there were people. I mean, of course, you have all these crazy characters. So I knew I needed to be as real as possible, and I'll have my moments. And and the payoff in the end would. And my storyline, I knew I the payoff would be later. I knew I was a holdout. Yeah. So I yeah. knew I had to be this voice of reason up until the end for him to kind of flip and be like, hold on, wait, why are you thinking this way? You're not, this isn't you. Yeah. yeah. So when we have that moment outside, he can be, you know, that, that father figure to me. And you were paired with him for a lot of talking heads. Like, I feel like they mm -hmm. knew that you two, you were a good anchor for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and there was a lot of things that were, were cut out uh, just about <laughs> just, well, just normal, normal stuff. And I, and, and hopefully, maybe someday we'll see the stuff where there's hours and hours of just boring things, and then also just real stupid stuff that I, I hope the world sees one day. But can you can you talk about that too? Because like obviously yeah. we watched a show. There's eight episodes, and really the eighth episode is more like a, a reveal. It's like a here's here's how we did it type of stuff. But mm -hmm. you must have you spent what three or four weeks doing this. So there must have been so much just like other stuff that you did and saw that we didn't get to see was there a 
was there a plan with like where to do like the boring court stuff and like the kind of everyday interactions versus where we like interject like plot and jokes because i was gonna say if it was all jokes all the time it would be pretty hard to be like this is so funny what's going on here you know yeah that's a great question what we did was we had to fill up the reality bank whenever anything crazy would happen we would fill up the reality bank by just saying, okay, we're going to have three hours of boring court now to yeah. get back to our reality. That's so smart. Like after oh. cha- I mean, if you watch, if you watch the episode, the, the chair pants episode again, you see people breaking, you see, oh, yeah. you know, you see some people breaking and you see me, it's a quick turn where Ronald's like watching or kind of leaning in to watch Todd take his chair pants off. Excuse me. <laughs> and you see me, I'm looking away like this. And it almost looks like I'm trying not to break. And I'm not laughing at all. I'm waiting for him to turn around and say, what's going on? Or <laughs> yeah. even worse, I know what's happening. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to make eye contact with him. And, and that day after we had the meeting afterwards and Jake and the producers said, okay, tomorrow we're just going to have six hours of boring court. Nothing. No plot line. No yeah. point. Like just nothing. We're just yeah. going to do it. I will say the one thing that they didn't show that I wish they did. And, you know, they're 28 minutes so that we can't show everything. Yeah. That day that we messed up the lunch order, we messed up that lunch order at least four times, and oh. and Ronald was getting so frustrated with us. Oh no! Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that, something great. like that. We were like, "What's the worst part?" It's like the worst part was not all the crazy shit happening. It was just like the messed up lunch order thing. That was, that would, it, yeah. that would be interminable. That shot, that shot of me like smushing my face. That was a yes. day where it was two days in a row of just listening to a fake trial. So I have to <laughs> pretend to pay attention to something that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Oh my god. At some point, yeah. you can't. It's no longer acting. Like you probably are legit. Like not not bored, but like legit. Like yeah. tired, tired or exhausted or like really yeah. really sort of uh, like w- biding your time. I, yeah. Okay, Ross. I, I I do have to know. I, obviously. You're uh, an improviser, and there were some other improvisers that did the show, but not everyone who did this show was an improviser. And I think improvisers get a lot of training and experience with not breaking uh, to be Mm -hmm. able to handle very silly things, especially I think like in Chicago. I never got that training. I think (laughs) Aaron Aaron may have missed that day. Take my money back, please. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron has what we call Jimmy Fallonitis. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Aaron had Jimmy Fallon for six levels on IO, so she didn't really get to. Keep no slapping this Aaron. desk, Aaron. You're going to break this desk, Aaron. Keep <laughs> slapping. <laughs> you do notice. You do notice throughout the show. There are some very funny moments that happen, and you do notice mm. some people like breaking. They they leave those cuts in. I think that they're very funny when you see people just big smiles turning away. The chair yeah. pants was one of them. Did you have any moments in the show where you couldn't hold it in, or was something that was happening that was so funny that you just had to like you had to laugh at it? Ah. Uh. I have to be completely honest. I couldn't look at Barb. Anytime <laughs> Barb would say something uh, or uh, just anything. She was- and she knew that too. She knew that. So she would look at me after she would say something. <laughs> and I think like a week and a half in, I said, you can't look at me like that. She's like, like what? Like, Come on. She was the one who kept falling asleep. She was the one who kept yeah. falling asleep in the trial. Yeah, that's Barb. So good. Yeah. I- I think that would have that would have done me in. I do think that pretty much anything that Ron said, uh, who was Ken in the show, 
Yep. The the I think I was dying laughing at every time he talked because it, he was speaking so slow and everyone was just like leaning in to like hear him out. Mm-hmm. That that I think I could not have taken. I couldn't be around him talking to someone else. I would have had to leave. I would have had to like walk away from that conversation. He, he so <laughs> he was another one that would look at me. He would say something so slow. <laughs> uh, and and a lot of times he would repeat what was just said, not in just yes. the interviews, but even in the room, he would say it slower in a different way. So if the pants comes in, he's like, "All right, what are we getting for lunch? I think I'm going to get that, uh, you know, that prosciutto baguette." And and you know, <laughs> Ken would be like, um, "I think for me, I'm gonna um, probably the uh, the long bread with um, maybe um, maybe meat." <laughs> Thinly sliced from Italy, and Ronald would be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good, man." <laughs> so patient. There's, there's yeah. another bit in the show which I think this is maybe my favorite moment of the show, and it comes early in the show. Which, in my mind, I was like, that was the moment where I, if, if I had been involved in it, I would have been like, something is going on here that I don't understand. It's when yeah. the the alternate juror gets injured, but before we he have gets the same injured, favorite part. <laughs> Before he gets injured, he says to just Ronald, and it's it's very clear that he hasn't given a lot of. I'm sorry, he's a he's a juror. He's not the alternate. He is a juror, um, but he gets injured and has to leave. He says, "I'm going to go rub one out, I think, or so, some something like that." To Ronald, yeah. and Ronald is like, "Yeah, man, better do it now. Well, you got the time. <laughs> Why you got the time?" <laughs> he so says Tim, that to him, and he leaves, and then he gets yeah. injured. And then there's a shot of all of you together and everyone has a crane, an origami crane that he gave them and a meaningful story that he gave them, except Ronald. And I'm dying at that part. And I'm like, yeah, this is the part where I would be so concerned and so worried that he is going to be like, what the fuck is happening here? I, I tell you what, I think I think he told people back at the hotel that it was like, this is just wild. Like, I'm, and, he, and, and this is just Ronald Gladden. His heart, he said, I'm so mad that I didn't get to, to talk to him because he seems like a really nice guy. But he was Aww. embarrassed. If you watch it again, he's really embarrassed that he didn't get a chance yes. to talk to him. Yeah. We all had stories. And that was the moment, you know, you meet these people for the first time. And I come from an improv background. And there's like a few other people with improv backgrounds. And then there are other people. There's like two or three that when we started the rehearsals, they're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, there's not a script. And I don't know if I can just riff. And I got a little apprehensive about that because this is this is a job. You know, if you get yeah. caught, like, I have to look for another job. Yes. So I'm like, okay, uh, all right, well, we can do this. I'm being encouraging. I'm like, just just stay in the moment. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. That crane scene, that's – I was so proud of us. Just everyone committing. Yeah. Everyone had a little story. No one was winking. It was awesome. Just how committed we were in that because it just showed two things. Number one, like – Great cast. This cast is amazing. Yes. And then number two, you never question anything when stuff like that happens in real life. You're yeah. just like, oh, okay. It's never like, oh, we're the cameras. It's, it's, it was wild. And the people that the producers that were asking questions, they they've worked with Borat for a long time. Like they're in that in that space, so they they were great wow. about just keeping it real. Which is why they wanted uh, you to love your wife. So yeah. Much. Is that right? <laughs> Little crossover. It is cut out. It's a Borat. It's officially a Borat spinoff. If I'm not wrong, right. <laughs> there, there is about about 35 minutes of me uh, saying my wife like Borat, and they're like Ross, you can't, uh, Ross, please, you can't. less, less, less. But it's funny, that, you know. Oh, go ahead. And then I was like, "Is that could be my catchphrase? It's funny, you know. Like, that's not gonna be, that can't be a thing either." <laughs> Something that, I, uh, go, oh, go Aaron, ahead, please. I just wanted to say one more thing about that crane moment. 
I feel like once every like five to 10 years, something will happen in a comedy that will like make my hall of fame of comedy moments. And that I think is the moment from Jury Duty. And it was particularly your section, like when the baton got passed to you, just rhythmically, you just made Mm. all of the funniest choices. And we were crying, like beside ourselves, crying, laughing in our house. And it's just, I think it's hard to do a moment that's that joyous and that committed Mm -hmm. in any comedy. And that's the moment that absolutely blew me away. I appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you so much for saying that. I uh, I made a choice that I was going to be like normal in like real world stuff and like mm-hmm. fine with the cameras around me, except when we were interviewed. That's when I became yeah. a little tense and I just made that yeah. choice where I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And so my rhythm uh, is is a little off on purpose. <laughs> and, and, it, and I don't know if you can catch it, but like I forced myself to say crane head because that's yeah. like, it makes no sense. Crane. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a George Saunders book. Yes. Yeah. Like you sounded things. like nervous to speak, and it's just rhythmically mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. just perfect. It's perfect. Uh, a, a few things. I th- one, I think, uh, even if I was unbiased, I think my favorite moment of the series is when you stand up and you say you have thirty kids, and thirty six like, kids, thirty six yeah. kids, oh, yeah. and it turns yeah. out to be your students, uh, uh, chef uh-huh. guess. Uh, and then the other thing I will mention is the that idea of like at all at any time this house of cards could come crumbling down. I think is what for me as a viewer was so beautiful about it. And it is also maybe why I think improv people go watch improv a lot of times is because, you know, they're making it up on stage. And so it is this thing of like, there's almost this giddiness of like, are they going to fucking eat shit on stage or are they going to fly? And so when that, when you see people navigating that of like, Oh, this could go very poorly or this could be an incredible one night only thing. I think that's the joy of this show as well. So it speaks to that sort of the 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 idea of why why we enjoy watching improv or, or don't enjoy watching improv. But yeah. I think this easily could have been like a Terry Gilliam movie, which is famously a director who eight of his movies have been shelved because of uh, natural disasters or mm-hmm. people die, whatever it might be. But there is that thing of like there's those moments of like I think um, like Rashida as the bailiff is that the term. Yeah. Yes. Bailiff, Bailiff like Mickey. calling yeah. someone their actual name, the name. like just these yeah. moments. I think that adds so much, so much joy as an audience member to be like at any moment, the gig could be up. And, and like you said, it, it all falls apart and who knows if the footage would still be released or if you'd retry, but I think it's just such yeah. a fascinating experiment to kind of see that play out in real time. Um, yeah. Can you, it, it, oh, please. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, can you speak say, to, oh, go ahead. <laughs> After you, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, thank you. Go ahead, thank you. <laughs> Can you speak? So, so, speaking of people, speaking of some of, the, some of the cast maybe not having improv experience, can you speak mm-hmm. to the the sort of um, cast as like the star, not the star of the show, but the the literal Hollywood star of the show, who's playing himself, quote unquote, is James Marston, and almost mm-hmm. a sort of David Schwimmer on Curb or Daniel Radcliffe in Extras, like which is one of my favorite uh, things actors do is like play a, play an asshole version of themselves or heightened yes, version of yeah. themselves. Can you speak yeah. to his level of confidence with improv? Did, was there any sort of workshop that he did? Was he, how, how was that working with him? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I yeah. will say this. When he walks into a room, you go, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. This is why you're famous. This is why you're in a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, charismatic, great looking, like comfortable in his own skin. I don't know his background. I do know just from the interviews that I've seen him in that he a big fan of improv, oh, big nice. fan of 
uh, making things up on the fly and just uh, flying with no net. He he was great. He was great. He was very, uh, very in tune and and to the point where he was concerned about really making sure that we're we're doing right to Ronald. You know, yeah. we don't want to put him in. And seeing that, that just made me respect James a lot more. I had respect for him before, but then just seeing his heart behind this and making sure like we want to do the right by him. Uh, that made me that made me really appreciate James. Yeah. Hearing him be the one that cared so much about Ronald in that way on a personal level, while also being the one person on the show who is like making the guy think that Ronald took the big shit and he's just like yeah. he's just kind of like fucking with Ronald a lot. But it's like yeah. it's so it makes it so much better knowing that he was like it was important to him that Ronald didn't look like a fool so that he could like make himself look like a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. took, he fell on that sword for comedy so that it wasn't about making fun of Ron. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it again, uh, he James even says this in interviews where it's uh it's a high wire act. You know, we're we're all working together and I have to just echo this that the whole it was a team. It was a team effort. It yeah. was yeah. unbelievable just how we came together, camera, production, uh everyone in charge and the whole cast. I, I, no one got sick. No one was late. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I do have to ask, because this is, uh, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit, but Ronald is Ronald. James mm. is James. You, I think that you're the only other one that got to keep your name. Was there like a conscious decision about that or? I don't know. Judge Allen. Allen. Uh, oh, Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, but that just fits for Judge Allen. I don't think there was. I asked production. I asked the the producers and and Jake, our our director, and he's like, "No, Ross works. Like Kubiak, <laughs> Ross Kubiak works." I don't know. I I don't know if that was a thing where I was the last person chosen, or Ross works, or I'm so thankful that I got yeah. to keep my name. Though, did they ever I was uh, shop say, Ross like- and Kate, or was that was that ever? <laughs> I offer that, and they're like, "That is stupid." What those? It's so funny. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. It's so funny. Like, it's so funny that like board. Susan became Barbara. Like Kirk became Pat. Like these are changes, but like you know, you can see these people as like just be keeping their own name. But it's it, as an actor, I'm stepping into your shoes. I would feel so relieved if they're like. Yeah, you can actually just be John and that's fine. And then you don't have to think about you're doing this improv thing anyway. It's gonna be hard anyway. You don't also have to balance a fake name on top of that. Yeah. It, it was I'm I'm thankful for it. It was great. <laughs> it was great. What were some of your favorite like close calls or saves that you saw done? Even if they were really little. Um I well, I'll I'll tell you a few big ones that, that we were we were all sweating about. So the warehouse scene, that was we were in there for a long time. We were in there for a long time. And I remember being in there for a long time, pretending to look around for things at this really, it's a, it's a t-shirt factory in LA Yeah, and it works. And somehow it got miscommunicated to the whole group when the owner of the t-shirt factory, who's not an actor, he actually owns the place and he was telling us what we can do, what we can't do. You know, you're looking for these things. Okay. You're investigating. Don't touch anything. And it slipped out. He said, and don't go upstairs. Just stay down down here. And we needed Ronald to go upstairs. And Ronald, we found out very, very soon after that, is a rule follower. Oh, and so, no. And, and, you know, the Jorf shirt has to happen up there. The mannequins has to, like, Todd yeah, is yeah, waiting yeah. up there. It, so we have to have him go up these stairs. And I remember for, for close to, like, 20, 25 minutes-ish, uh, uh, 
uh, was explaining to him, no, we can go up here. And Ronald was like, no, we can't. We were told we can't. And so all of us, I had to go over. Like I was told by Maria to be to tell Ronald like, oh, uh, I already went up there. You should check it out. It's pretty interesting. And so through that, like we actually eventually got him up there. Because some other people came up to him and said, hey, oh, we checked no, it that's out. Wild. So that was a close call. Because that, 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 I mean, Margaritaville, that bit doesn't happen if he doesn't go up there. So what was another one that was close? I think. Oh, and then the Margaritaville thing, I, I will also oh. say, then you don't get to see my, my favorite Swift. part, which is Detre- Detective Crashmore oh. uh, from I Think You Should Leave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which if I ran I've... into Margaritaville, I'd be like, shut it down. That's Detective Crashmore for sure. That's Santa Claus. This isn't real. <laughs> Uh, Biff Swift is his real name, which is wild. And Amazing. Awesome. That's a great name. And Incredible. and when we rehearsed, uh, we the, the week that we didn't have Ronald, he was at the table, and I said, hey, and I didn't even do this to James Morrison. <laughs> I, <go, laughs> I, I walk up to Biff Swift and I go, man, I really appreciate your work. You have no idea <laughs> how much I appreciate your work. He goes, oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. So are you are you a part of this? I go, yes, I am, but it's not about me right now. <laughs> So anyway, so with Margaritaville, I know we're jumping all over the place. Margaritaville, they hired 200 extras to fill in Margaritaville. So all those are are extras. And as we were walking in, I had to remind myself that everyone's an actor. And as we were walking past tables, I could tell people were were glancing up and just staring at us and kind of like track us a little bit. And they were told to speak, you know, a little softly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild. That's uh, what was so another wild. one that was close? Um, trying to think. A, a phone a phone went off once uh, during during the court, and no one's supposed to have a phone. And oh, shit. a phone went off really quick. Oh, and wow. I, I for for three days, I was so mad at Barb because I thought she had her phone in her bag. <laughs> eventually, we found out. We eventually found out. And I don't want to like call out names or anything, but. But Nikki, Bailiff Nikki has her phone. She's allowed to have her phone. And I think it was uh-huh. on, it, the volume was up. So it just went, yeah. Whoop. But I thought it was Barb for three days. And I was so mad at her. <laughs> 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 um, so what else? Well, I, I'm trying I, to think I, of a, a smaller call. So go for it, John. I, I just wanted to say, I mean, because we are coming up to the end, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because every other character on the show, they had like a plot line. They had like a little, you know, they're feeding their information. But I feel like your character, you were the one that got like the heartstrings pulling because you had this like the whole thing with your wife. And this is this whole thing is rife with spoilers anyway. But then you have your party scene where your wife comes and you have to admit to everyone that like you were actually separated and you've been like you've been kind of like lying to them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to ask you about that experience because it's like and also knowing you have one take at this, like you only have the one shot, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah, what which was, was that exciting. Like? It was exciting. I knew I could do it. Uh, it was Colleen I, Doyle. I'd be right? lying. I'd, not Colleen Doyle. So, um, uh, Colleen Murray. Colleen Murray. And yes. I was Colleen, uh, who's a, a Chicago improviser, a good friend of mine. She played my wife. I didn't know that she was hired for the spot until I looked at Whoa. the call sheet that morning. Whoa. And I was like, oh, this is, I, I turned to Jake, the director. I go, this is going to be good. This is going to yeah. be, we're, we're in good hands. We're, we're going <laughs> to knock it out of the park. She's great. I think they hired her on purpose because in earlier, the confessions that I have, when I say, uh, you know, when Jack Quee is up there and we cut back to me being like, oh, she reminds me of my wife, not in a sexual way, but just more of a, this how she, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. that doesn't make sense at all. Like, yeah. like, you know, like the wording of it and, and just, you know, how she's tall and blonde or whatever. And so they, I think they hired Colleen because she has dark hair and she's shorter. And so it doesn't yeah. make sense that I, 
It's more of like, I'm in love with Jack Key. Jack Wee. You know? So anyway. Uh, but that was, that was a day. Jam- I, I remember James and I both, I think he feels the same way where this is going to, this is like a big emotional day for Ronald because yes, he sees James flip the cake, you know, and Ronald's ticked off, ticked off. Like he is running through all these emotions with James. Like it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. And for, for me, I knew that I had to just bring it emotionally for him because we didn't know this at the time, but uh, you know, Ronald gets sensitive about relationship stuff. And yeah. And so when I had that moment and I come back and, and we're talking, I, I was very anxious about that day. Uh, I knew, I knew, I don't know, I, at, at the time, I'll be honest, at the time, I was like, I wish I was funnier in the show. But now realizing I have to, my lane was the heart because we had to build yeah. up to, to the end. It's but like, that it's, was, it's that like a was good improv. Because I mean, you're a great improviser. It's like good improv where it's like, it can't all be uh, Costello's. If it's all Costellos no. or all Homer Simpsons, like the shows don't work, right? So it's that idea no. of like playing what's needed, and I think you you nailed that. The very well, Chicago thing, that. the emotional like yeah. reality yeah. of the situation, yeah. I playing mean, the stakes. If we're all if we're all Costellos, I mean that's a felt show. Now that's a cheap. <laughs> now that's a cheap joke. That's an inside joke. Caesar does joke. listen to the show, so um, well, I mean, I, so Russ, I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like Chicago improv can be a little bit different because I have some of the hardest I've ever laughed on stage is from people like doing some very things that are like very genuinely sad. And I, I gotta say, when I watch that moment, because I know that the meta commentary here is that it's fake, right? Like we know that you're not actually being like left by your wife here. I was dying laughing because I was like, this is so, it's so brutal. Like, it's so brutal that everyone has to, like, stay and stew in this moment and the embarrassment and all of it. It's yeah. just, like, it it made it made the whole experience of the show, like, it was one of those, like, tethered to reality moments where you're like, this isn't funny. Like, why would I be watching this, you know? Right, right. I, I, I loved that part. I appreciate that. We, we cut it out. But the next day, when we're in the in the jury box, I lean down and I say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm sorry you had to see that. That's just not me, and that's not how I want to live my life. And uh, I'm sorry you just even had to see that. So I I just I, this is just a peace offering. Just I I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he goes, oh, dude, we don't have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that.' And I go, "No, it's like I don't usually throw a baseball like that. And I'm just <laughs> I'm sorry. And because we're we're playing catch." Uh-huh. And so I threw him off. We, I, I threw him off with the whole. And he goes, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh no, that's no, that's no big deal, man. Yes, <laughs> that rules." So. Honestly, I wish they had kept that in because that kind of does make him seem like such a nice guy yes, to yeah. be like. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, I, you see it on his face. He's like, "Hey, hey," a lot of times he'd be like, "Hey, man, we can't talk right now." I go, "Yeah, I just gotta tell you. I just gotta tell you something." <laughs> and so he would let me talk. Yeah. Ross, I gotta ask my. My wife, Gemma, said I would be remiss if I didn't ask because she's she's loved the show and very invested in the fictional characters paired with a, a real person. What is your if and not to be intrusive, if you can't talk about it, you can't talk about it. But what is your relationship with the cast and Ronald post show in terms of like friendship, closeness, all that jazz? Uh, we're on a text thread. Nice. Uh, Ronald and I we talk at least once a week. That's incredible. It's great. And that never happens with the cast. Yeah. Yeah. You're usually just hanging out with a few weeks and it's like, all right, we'll see you and I'll follow you on social media. But we, I, I consider every one of my castmates, every 
uh, every crew member, every <laughs> producer, Jake Zemanski, our director, they're my war buddies. Yeah. They, we, we pulled it off. It, so, so the relationships, uh, close and very special. That's, that's, yeah. uh, very special. Like, I, yeah, I you're think right. Kate, that doesn't happen. Casey, did you have a follow up to that question? Cause I think Casey wanted to ask something too. We, we, we said Casey can ask a question. <laughs> it just super quick, Ross. Like they showed it in the final episode. They showed kind of the process of Ronald adjusting to the fact that you guys had different identities and personalities, even if they weren't that far from reality. Can you just tell us a little bit more about like how long did that take him in what ways did he have to, did he express like trouble adjusting to these different changes or anything? I, I can't speak to after afterwards, like in his private life. Um, but in interviews, he said, uh, <laughs> he, he'll be in the shower and then all of a sudden it'll dawn to him. Like a memory will pop up in his head about jury duty and he'll go, Wait, that was fake. <laughs> so, uh, so. But I will say during the reveal, when the reveal happened, we had a big meeting that morning about, hey, we don't know how this person is going to react when we pull the yeah. curtain up and say, hey, oh, yeah. everything and everyone you've interacted with for the past three weeks, not real. Especially not if, they've, real. if they've had like trust issues or something, that could be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Well, uh, and, well and, and to that, to find Ronald, it was like months of interviews and like yeah. some tests and psychological tests. So they 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 knew what they were doing with that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he was up there and they said, and, you know, Judge Allen says, actually, this is my first case. And this is not a real case. And everyone you see and everyone you interacted with is an actor. Blah, blah, blah. He turns and his genuine reaction is what you see. What? Yeah. That breathy yeah. what? And just looking around, he looks at us in the box, then looks at uh, the both lawyers. And you see me and I wave because I can just tell in his eyes where he's like, it's unbelievable. It's not that he's scared. And I just wave. And he goes, are you kidding me? So all of you? And we all go up and, and hug. And Kirk is the first one. Kirk Fox is the first one to give him a hug. And I see him lean into his ear to Ronald's ear and whisper something. And Ronald recoils back and he goes, what? How come I didn't see it? And Kirk <laughs> whispered in his ear, I'm, I'm Sue's Joe. And he goes, oh, my gosh, you are. How come I didn't see it? And, and that get, so that funny. that was cut. Um, and then, God, that's and so then funny. I go up to him and I give him a hug, and he goes, "Okay, okay." And, and you know, he's drinking out of a fire hose, so he's like, yeah. "Okay, so yeah. that wasn't your wife?" I go, "No." And he goes, "Are you married?" I go, "Oh yeah." And he goes, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> and then and then we just we just peel back the curtain, and we get him into the control room, and everyone's in there clapping for him. He's like, wait, what's happening? And we show him everything. We show him everything. Yeah. Uh, we had an ice cream truck pull up. Like, it was all, it just felt like a, a reunion where it's, mm -hmm. yeah. okay, now I need to get to know you. He still calls us. Well, he calls me Ross just because that was my name. But he sometimes accidentally calls us our character. The names. other name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's he, so and he, like Margaritaville and uh, all that stuff to him, like the warehouse. And he was like, how did you? And so he still has all these questions and he even says this in interviews now. I think it was Access Hollywood, but he goes, I wouldn't trade this for anything. These people Aww. are my friends. I have an experience. I get to, you know, he, he, he was like, I have James Marsden in my phone. I mean, yeah. Right. yeah. I feel like that's yeah. like, that's best, best possible, like, reaction slash, you know, conclusion to that is that he doesn't feel like super betrayed, but he has fun. And then I have right. to ask too, because I, I want to know, 
it, obviously, if, if people are listening to this, they haven't listened or seen the show. Uh, it's still worth watching, by the way. But I, you know, you should have already watched it. But in in the course of this thing, he at the end of it, he is getting like a hundred thousand dollars, right? They they announced mm-hmm. that there's like a prize for this, like a reward for him doing this. Was everyone aware of the cash prize the whole time, or was that something that was like sprung on you last minute? Uh, reveal day, reveal day morning meeting. And they're like, all right. And then we're, uh, it was almost said a little quick. It was like, and then yeah. uh, we'll get, uh, tell them they won $100,000. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if that's something that the judge improvised. And then everyone's like, no, 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 no. You, see, you just see the camera tilt. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Everything oh, God, goes God. down. Everyone yeah. starts running. Technical difficulties. Well, I was, I was surprised by that too. But then, because what, what I was thinking from an audience perspective, as I was like, I hope that that was a reveal like relatively late in the process because I do think that just knowing that might color some of the other like interactions in a weird way. But I'm also like, thank God they did that too. Thank God he got something out of it. So it wasn't just like, hey, by the way, none of this was real. We wasted four weeks of your life. You thought you made some friendships, but it's like, hey, this might help soften it a little bit. (laughs) Like There's some cash. There's some cash associated with this too. The producers did a great job of not telling us that because it would have, and honestly, it yeah. would have muddied some water in, the, in our performance and how we interact with them. And and the reveal was just so so joyful. I was getting giddy, like knowing mm-hmm. knowing this was going to happen. Uh, there were like counselors in the wings, though, in case. <laughs> oh, <laughs> in smart! Case yeah, he needed his space. If in case he needed just to be outside and just to take it all in. All of that was taken awesome. into consideration. It was very professional. Yeah, that's so cool. I yeah, I, you know, it's it is those like they show you the behind the scenes kind of in the last episode, but it is cool to like know that they were like, I honestly they could have probably hit that in the last episode as well because I'm sure that there were people watching like very anxiously being like, oh my god, like what if, what if, what if? But it's like no, it it makes sense to have these these considerations for doing something like this. Yeah, and I tell people that too when whenever. It gets brought up where I sometimes I see it online where they're like, I'm not into prank shows. I'm not, oh, they're they're acting so mean, but they haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. I always tell people what we did was we took Ronald through the hero's journey. He doesn't like talking in public. We made him four person. Uh, you know, he he is away from his girlfriend. He's going to help someone who is away from his girlfriend. You know, he he's next to a weirdo. Like, how does he react to this guy? Does he have yeah. empathy? Does he have compassion? So. All around, I'm just glad that the world got to meet Ronald Gladden. That's yeah, what's your favorite moment yeah. of his? Like having watched the show or experiencing in real life, what moment made you like happy that they chose him? Once I started hearing the stories back from the hotel, and and David told me this, he said he is very kind and he doesn't talk bad about anybody when the cameras are off. He doesn't say, oh, man, Ken so-and-so or Ross is so-and-so or, like, promote is yeah. the butt. Couldn't be me. Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this guy can't even do it when the mic is off. Like, he's, he's, well, we have to, but we do have to cut that chunk. We have to cut that chunk from the episode because. <laughs> uh, that's, when I knew, that's when I knew we had our guy. Because I was always at the end. We, we threw him down, like, where the party animals were. We're like Cassandra, Inez, uh-huh. like, all this stuff. And I was just down here and he would float by us every once in a while and he would check in and I was like, okay, he's a nice enough guy. But once I started hearing the stories about how he was when he wasn't around anybody and the cameras were off, that's when I realized that we had someone really special. Yeah. 
Oh, sweet. Yeah, there's really yeah. I really like to go to go back to when like the game is invented. Um, I really love that moment where he's like, "Oh, I owe you X amount of money," and he's like, "No, no, no!" Like, "No, no, no!" And he's like, "No, I, I that's how much this. I can't believe that happened, but I owe you this much." He's like, "Please, we never played. This never happened." Like, it was just cool to see him be so graceful and very. It it, it was cool to see the humanity uh, seep through, yeah. and then and then the floodgates open is really cool. You don't see it, but uh, and because it was cut early, but Ken offers ronald his gumball machines as collateral <laughs> like you can have my gumball <laughs> machines. Yeah, it was so sweet oh, but great. we gave them that- space like they were there for close to an hour just playing this game and you know we got to the point and then you know the last roll ronald just it just something random happens and ken has to justify it was like a perfect improv exercise where it's why is this the ultimate role because well, you see it's touching here and then it's yeah. going across and then see if i put my hand right here it covers it up but then when it's away from it it's still on the line it makes no like makes no yeah. sense but ronald has to go with it it was perfect the the best part about that interaction is because ronald was so nice and he kept refusing him kept clearing it and it made mm-hmm. ken able to hit it even harder when he was like okay yes but I will pay you the six thousand or whatever. It was just like I was like, oh yep. no, it's so it's so. Oh god, outrageous! I would like I said, I would have had to walk away at every one of those interactions. I would not be able to be around for any of them. It was so funny. Well, Ross, we should say, um, and this is something we talked to Ross about beforehand, and he agreed to it. Um, for the last uh, little bit here, we're just going to throw prompts at you as you agreed to, and you're going to improvise for sixty seconds. Um, so, like, I might say, I might say, butcher obsessed with birds, and then you're you're going to do like a bit of an audition. Is that right? <laughs> sure, and that's fun for sure. you, uh, Ross. Yeah, that's please, fun for me. Please tell uh, uh, everyone listening where they can find you. Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to plug? Anything upcoming? Yeah, jury duty. On freebie, <laughs> yes. Amazon Prime. So good. What? Uh, I, I pop in there every once in a while. Uh, you can find me at the Ross Kimball, K-I-M-B-A-L-L, on Instagram, Twitter. May not be there for a little bit, but usually Instagram. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, I'm at Ross Kimball. Check me out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's popping. I almost hope it's almost like um what's the like Nathan for you where it's like every season I'm like how is he still finding people who don't know who he is I almost hope yeah. this cast does another uh, season would be the wrong term maybe but another experiment or project with someone new but it's a scenario uh, I, even yes I I hope things yeah. like this because I'm such a fan of uh, improv and immersive theater and all that I really hope in reality TV I really hope that this excites everyone enough to keep doing more projects like this it's really uh a really phenomenal um show and and wonderful job ross and thanks for coming on yeah i appreciate it thanks for having me it was great meeting you guys great talking about it yeah hell yeah aaron do you want to uh oh i don't know what i um i forget what i say at the end of these it's going to be a planet just slow fade at the end of the <laughs> slow yeah. fade. What are yeah. you... <laughs> that's what people love at the end of a podcast. What do you yeah, think? Just the, the audio fades out. Yeah, the audio uh, will just yeah. fade over. It's yeah. still fading right now.